0: You're listening to the Hal and Steve English Podcast, a comfy place to talk about all the great and not so great parts of teaching ESL abroad. I'm Steve, and I've got Hal here too. Howdy. Today, we're going to talk about life as a public school teacher in Korea. Stay tuned.
1: One, one, two, three.
0: All right, guys. All right, guys. As always, head to com to check out our really awesome materials. We've got games. We've got adult speaking lessons. We've got pattern English lessons. We've got free video games. Well, we don't have free video games. We've got everything else though. It's pretty cool. So head over there to check it out. Houndsteveenglish.com. All right. After that shameless plug, let's talk about our first year teaching in Korea. So who should tackle this first, you or me? I love it when
1: you tackle
0: things first. I'm going to tackle things first. I'm going to go for it. Gonna gonna really really tackle it. So First year teaching in Korea, for those of you who listened to one of our previous podcasts of how we actually ended up here, you'll know that I was just an aimless little boy after graduating university and I didn't know what to do. And between law school and teaching abroad, I decided to go teach abroad. And I lost out on my first placement, actually. Originally, they were going to place me in Goje. I think that's how you pronounce Mm. it. It's an island south of Pusan. And I was really stoked because nothing can be more exotic than that right headed to a country that I really haven't thought about in my life before besides in history class learning about the Korean War and then heading out to a random place pretty isolated on the ocean and up to that point i had been living in Missouri so I went to university in Missouri so that was really exciting but as I would soon come to find out you know, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved, so my paperwork was done incorrectly, or something was messed up. So I missed that opportunity. The next one they put me in was in Paju, and for folks that are new to Korea, or don't really know Korea that well, Paju is the big expanse of countryside north of Seoul. And I was right there on the easternmost part of Paju, right next to a county called Yunchun, actually. Which is... What people like to... Whenever they think about the northernmost part of Korea, right next to the DMZ, they often are thinking about Yeonchun, right? So that's where I ended up teaching. And it was definitely not as desolate as where you ended up teaching, Hal. But I ended up there, and my experience getting there was pretty wild. I know we talked about this a few shows ago, but... I just hopped off the airplane, and... The expectation the recruiter had set for me was you know, pretty great. Oh, someone's gonna get you from the airport. And I thought, pretty cool. But just like you, like there was a frantic person waiting for me at the airport. He must have been the recruiters father or boss himself. And as I exited the gate with all these really heavy pieces of luggage, this dude just ran up to me frantically. And frantic is the behavior you'll often see Um, when you've got... when you're in a rush and all your Korean peers have to go do something. It's just a million, a million shuffled steps to get anything done. So kinda makes you nervous, it makes everybody anxious, makes everybody nervous. But this guy just ran up to me, frantically grabbed me, you know, just looking left, right, left, right, left right, where to go, where to go, where to go. Running, 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 shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. And he exchanged my money, he got my bus ticket and he threw me on a bus, he shouted at the bus driver, something, which I guess was, oh make sure this can gets off at this stop, Gukin being the word for foreigner. And actually, you know, now that I've lived here a while, and I think I joked about this the other episode, it must be like 50% Korean, at least in my habits alone by now, I really appreciate that little dude who, who picked me up from the airport because obviously that's not his job. You know, after living here for so long, I know he was probably just some dude at the office and the boss is like, yo man, you gotta go get this kid from the airport. And he didn't know what was going on. He didn't speak English. He was terrified to interact with me. But he really took one on the chin, and he went there, and he basically saved my life because I would not know what to do at the airport. So it was my first time really out of the country, except for resort places. So I've been to the Cayman Islands, Bahamas, Mexico, but I'd never been to a place so far removed from American tourists, right? So, yeah, my first impression was, what the hell is going on? Five years later, my impression is, oh, that little dude was all right. And that's basically the story of my first time in Korea was all these things that I thought were super negative experiences. But now that I've lived here for a long time, I realize that everybody was actually being really nice to me because it wasn't their job to do these things in the first place. So I I thought I had a bunch of negative experiences my apartment, wasn't where it was supposed to be. My job wasn't what it was supposed to be. It wasn't the. It wasn't what I expected from what my recruiter said. And I assume that's what a lot of foreigners here deal with. There's that expectation that you have of what the job should be, what the training period should be, and all these, all these things. And you, you're let down, or you're disappointed, or you're angered when these things change. But in hindsight, now I realize, whoa, it was not my co-teacher's job to train me. Hmm. She nobody trained her on how to train foreign teachers Mm -hmm. it was just the government decided to hire foreign teachers threw me in there and she was just she was surviving she was just dog paddling through the ocean through all that craziness but anyway that's you know that pretty much sums up my experience and I guess to get further into it should I get more into it and tell the actual tale or do you want to tell everybody about you? I don't know I think keep rolling i'm gonna keep rolling then so bus time right so i'm on the bus and you know i remember just leaving in airport and looking outside the, the bus and waiting for i hate to say this but like last samurai music to come on you know like your traditional what you expect of like a an original soundtrack from a movie set in asia to sound like it didn't but that's okay I looked out the windows and there's just a bunch of huge apartments and, you know, those really interesting pine trees that I've always seen in movies about Korea or Japan or China. And so I was starting to get this sensation that, whoa, man, you are really abroad. And I don't think that really hits you until a few weeks later in full, but I was starting to get that feeling. And that was pretty awesome. The bus, you know, drove me into some part of Incheon. It must have been downtown Incheon. The bus driver yelled at me got me off the bus, got all my pieces of luggage off the bus and then there was this little woman who I would later find out was Miss Moon, my co-teacher there, to pick me up and I know it was a Saturday or a Sunday it must have been a, a Saturday and so she picked me up with her husband and then they drove me from there three hours north to where I was going to end up living in Dongducheon, which was about a 40-minute bus ride from my school and it's right up there next to Yunchan and Paju. So basically, folks, if you imagine Seoul, where I lived was about an hour and a half north of that. And then where I taught was about 40 minutes northwest of that. And I, in that moment, I remember thinking, what kind of dog and pony show is this? What, why, what are they doing? They're just frantically picking me up. There's no order to this. This is frantic. It's hectic. This is uncomfortable. What did I sign up for? And again, folks, I've been here for a while now and I realized, whoa, that dude that picked me up from the airport was just ordered to do that by a random guy probably and didn't even know what he was doing. And then my co-teacher on her weekend drove me with her husband three hours out into the middle of nowhere and then three hours back to their home. And before all that even began, they had driven to the bus stop to get me about an hour and a half away from their home. So they spent 10 hours driving. So my, in my mind, I was like, this is the most unprofessional thing I've ever experienced. But in hindsight, it's just all these individuals p- taking up the slack for basically the government not having a program in place. But all these people being really generous with their time, really generous with their money. So now like, I have this really great impression of that first day. But yeah, they, they took me up to my apartment. They had they put me in my one room. They bought me a bunch of great food. They filled me up with uh, potato salad sandwiches, which I had never had before. Usually we just eat potato salad on the side of a, a basket of ribs and barbecued chicken. But they threw me, ma- me into my room, and then they dragged me out for some Gypsal dinner. And I didn't even know what Sam Gip Sal was at that time. And this was before it was a big trend in the United States. It was before the Korean wave, by about a year or two. And I just remember being so exhausted and so dirty and not wanting to be there, but being polite. And again, I didn't realize. Like in my mind, I was like, oh, these people are infringing upon my individual, like what I want to do. But in hindsight, they're being soup. they drove 10 hours that day and they made sure to stay with me for dinner because they didn't want to be rude. They didn't want me to feel lonely. But you know, (laughs) when they dropped me off my apartment, they hastily showed me the bus stop that was about 20 minutes away from my apartment.
1: Wow, 20 minutes away.
0: I'm a slow walker, so it's probably 10 minutes for a normal person. But they showed me the bus stop and how to get to work, and they showed me the number. But again, this is all in Korean, right? Yeah. So, And they only showed me at one time. So I didn't have a phone. I didn't have internet in my apartment. I had nothing. I had to remember that one late-night experience of being walked or being driven to a random bus stop in the center of the city and pointed... Which way should I take it, the northbound way or the southbound way, right? And a random bus number. And then I was sent back home after dinner, and I was just there. And that was a really wild first day for me. I know yours was much wilder, but it was just a really weird experience because as I was sitting in that one room, I realized nothing is what I thought it was going to be experience from being picked up at the airport to that point of going to sleep was just so wildly different it was my first experience was this is disorganized this is frantic this is going to be messy when that little dude picked me up from the airport and exchanged my money and got me on the bus and then I would see these little previews of what the next the rest of the year would be like when they drove me to the random bus stop that I had to take every day to school and expected that to be enough for me to figure out how to get to work. And again, you know, you're a foreigner coming to a foreign country. The expectation should be on you to figure out how you're going to get to your place of employment. It shouldn't be your employer if they didn't set the expectation, if they did not set an expectation that they would be helping me with all those things because it's... They advertised it as an immersive experience abroad with a lot of help. But anyway, yeah, that type of disorganized, last-minute affair and frantic, hectic, running around was really a preview into the rest of the year, and at the beginning, I really was just so unhappy with it because it felt like these people lied to me. These people told me this is what my life was going to be like, but it's not. And I, I forgot to mention, my contract said I'd be five minutes away from my school. I'm 40 minutes away by bus from my school. Ooh, yeah. My contract said I'd be, my recruiter said I'd be 45 minutes away from Seoul. It's a little white lie. Technically, I would be 45 minutes away from Dobongsan, which is technically Seoul. <laughs> but that's yeah. like saying, um, I don't know, that's, that's like saying, oh yeah, you can be 45 minutes from America if you're living in Siberia. Like that doesn't really make sense. Like you're, away, you're 45 minutes away from a random island in Alaska. But yeah, in hindsight, I really enjoyed it. That was great. I was 40 minutes away because my co-teacher who had spent 10 hours driving me around from the airport to my new town, decided that I wouldn't want to live in the countryside next to the school. Mm. I would want to live in a nice new apartment in the okay. center of right. a big city that was on the subway line on the way to Seoul. She actually saved me, but I didn't know that. All I knew that was, oh, I was supposed to be 45 minutes away from Seoul, and I was supposed to live five minutes away from the school, but five minutes away from the school was a rice farm. And then actually 40 40 minutes around the school was only rice farms. So she actually saved me, but I would never have known any of these things. All I knew at that time was, this is not what they told me. And so, yeah, the year kind of just progressed like that. I went to school, and just continued like that. My co-teacher, who you're supposed to have a co-teacher in class at all times. She put me into my first day of class, attended it, and then told me for the rest of the year I'm going to be too busy to be in your class. So on contract, I was supposed to have a Korean teacher with me at all times to help, I did. For the whole year I was by myself, after the first day I was by myself. There were random times when the principal would get angry and tell her to get in there but that was pretty much it. It was a really, you know, survive or die situation. And there was no real training, which I was, I'd expected. There was no training. And you know, that's how Helen Steve English was born, right? You end up in these situations where you're in a school without a curriculum, you end up in a program without, with, without any resources or any help from your coworkers. And so you've, you've got to learn how to do it all on your own. And we're trying to save people that, have to t- that want to avoid that so you know we made hell and English and so I just continued to have these really hectic frantic experiences and I really didn't understand Korean culture at all because well I think frankly I didn't open myself up to it and you know there wasn't there wasn't anybody that was trying to like immerse me in Korean culture I didn't have anybody take me under their wing and Yeah, I arrived in March of that year. I ended up teaching by myself without any teaching experience or education on how to teach by Wednesday of that week. So after the second day I was there, I ended up teaching by myself, these kids. And I would go online and search for middle school material because it was a middle school, middle school ESL material. But all the kids were so mixed level and so low. Middle school is tough to start out Yeah, yeah. I really should have just been teaching elementary words to them because it was countryside school, really low level. I had 50 or 60 kids to start with and every day it was just the same, wake up, go to that random bus stop, kinda sorta know which bus I'm taking, kinda sorta know the name of where I was supposed to get off, walk through a tomato greenhouse and a few other greenhouses, and a few corn farms, um, go through a little mud tract, walk to the school, sit down, wait for class to begin. And there was so much free time at that school, actually. It was really small. That the principal asked me to make a textbook. But again, I had no idea what was going on. It was just a whirlwind of like last minute requests and last minute frantic things. So. Yeah, the, the whole. <laughs> I didn't make that textbook and they weren't happy about that. But I just didn't know what was going on at all. Now, five years later, having lived here for a long time, knowing a bit of Korean, knowing a lot about the culture, and being married to a Korean wife with, and having a Korean kid, I can look back on that experience and be like, oh man, these people were really, really awesome. These people just wanted to be my friend. But it really doesn't feel like that when you first come over. It feels like, dude, everybody's. What is this? Everybody's just frantically running around. What? Why are they doing this to me? Why are they doing this to me? It feels like every little, every little omission, every last minute change is a lie that negatively affects your life. Now, though, I realize, oh, these people are just rolling with it. There's everybody's got to roll with it here. There's just you're yeah. being inundated with so many million changes from the top down that you just got to roll with it. And I had no idea, so I really regret that actually. So, about halfway through my first day. I realized that I'm either going to have to fly home or I'm going to have to suck it up. And I talked to a bunch of people. My parents said, yeah, you can come home. I had one aunt that said, you should really stay down there. And you know how you have parents that always, or people that always tell you, you really need to stick it through. Yeah, right. I didn't think it applied to this situation because it wasn't difficult. It was different. Like it wasn't just that it was difficult. It was different than what I was told it was going to be. So I was thinking, I'm totally justified in not sticking this through. For some reason I did though. You don't I know why you I don't know why. I think I, I think I met the foreigner group, which you were part of. That's how I met Hal. There's a little foreigner network up here that I wasn't able to get in touch with for the first six months I was here, which really made it a very isolated experience. And the fact that I didn't realize that I had all these Korean coworkers who really wanted to be my friend, my friend, uh, my friends, I mean, even though, uh, I messed all that up, but even though I had these co-workers who wanted to be my friends, I didn't realize that at the time, and I really regret that, but yeah, it was really lonely, or an isolated experience by myself, teaching that countryside school, and at six months in, I was going to go home, or I was going to stay, and I decided on saying, maybe it was because I met the foreigner group, maybe it was because I was too ashamed to do a midnight run and a midnight run being when you pack up all your bags, head to the airport and just go home. There's a, such a huge <laughs> stigma attached to that. Everyone looks at you like you're a quitter or and you kind of leave your employer in a lurch and you they have to go find a new foreigner and then you you give the rest of the foreigner community a bad name like nobody trusts you. So in my mind I was totally justified, I was like, this is not what I signed up for, man. I'm not even, I felt in my mind, I'm not even teaching, these people aren't trained me to teach, I'm just the dude that's supposed to be here. And especially it was the summer months too, right? So for those of you who don't know, in the summer, you've got a big break, about a month or two. And they wanted me to just come into work, sit down and do nothing. They didn't give me anything to do, it's called desk warming. Now that I have lived here for a while, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is eight hours paid to work on howlandstevennglish.com. This is eight hours paid to read books. And they had a beautiful garden out in the back, too. It's eight hours paid to go hang out with my my Korean coworkers and go garden and maybe, you know, bend that elbow a bit on some soju as we're planting tomatoes and yeah. cooking some gypsum. But I didn't know. I was just – I literally was looking for a professional experience after college. I wanted to be – nine to five, go home and hang out with my own people in my own personal life. I didn't realize this was going to be a completely life-changing experience, or I need I would need to change my life to experience everything. So anyway, I guess, I guess that's pretty much my tale. At six months in, I decided to stay, and I looked at everything through a different lens, and I embraced more and more, and I changed my opinions more and more, and I'm still changing my opinions and my point of view now. But, um... So how about the end of that first yeah. year? What was your
1: mindset after you completed that? And, and what did the school say? Were they like, hey, Steve, it's been a wild ride. Stay here another year. And, and what were you thinking? Were you like, I'm ready to get out of Korea? I can't remember. That's, I think, important for yeah, I guess too. It's like that a lot of people, you know, finish that first so, year. So
0: I guess at like, six months in, I decided that was going to stay, right? And the terms of staying were, I've got to actually put in more of an effort into these classes. I can't rely on these resources that I'm finding online, because I know in my heart that they don't match these students. And okay. I, was, I decided in my mind, you know, it's really not my fault that my classes suck, or I'm not good at my <laughs> job. I was, They didn't train me, they didn't give me resources, and they didn't give me a co-teacher. It's not my fault. We didn't even have a conversation about levels of the students and how to and how to teach them and what they're currently learning. We, we didn't have anything like that. So I decided at six months, this is not enough, man. You've got to – your job is to teach these kids English. You've got to do that, or you've got to do a better job of it. And then on top of that, personally, I decided that I'm going to spend more time with my coworkers or – um, I didn't realize what I was doing this at the time but basically I was changing my mindset into the more of the Korean mindset of your work your colleagues at work are similar to your family you owe them a certain obligation to have relationships with them that are more similar to family relationships than they are to just cordial co-worker relationships so I just want to be cordial at the beginning hey what's up Anyasu, what's up? I'm gonna go into my cubby now. But you can't do that here. And I really resisted that, but I I embraced it after that. So I was out there farming with my coworkers. I was bending the elbow with them on the few school nights. They they had on campus houses, because it's countryside, a lot of teachers live there. And there'd be nights where they were grilling up mackerel or some gypsal. And I'd be a little iffy, I'd be a little standoffish sometimes still, because I didn't want to spend all my time there after work especially because I'd be so tired or I'd be gross, you know, just a long day of no air conditioning in the countryside, you don't want to sit next to somebody when you're eating something. But I did make an effort, so I changed my mind. And then at the year's end, we really, we really had just like a, in general, a really positive experience together, all of us. And so they told me they were gonna hire me again because I did a bad job making that textbook <laughs> that they asked me to do at the beginning. So I hate, I hate to say that I had a really lovely experience and then say something negative because I've been saying too many negative things. Although I want everybody to know my heart has changed. I realized that I was at fault there because, you know, it's a new culture. And you kind of got to fit into the culture. So I want everyone to know, even though I said my, my experience five years ago, I, my point of view five years ago was negative. Now I realize that I was wrong about that. I should have embraced it. I should have been more open-minded. But yeah, no, they weren't going to hire me again. The principal was angry that I didn't make that textbook. (laughs) So they they wrote me a negative review. Yeah, apparently. You know, I don't know what happens to those reviews where they go. But I ended up with about a month left to go. They told me they they weren't going to hire me. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go teach in Seoul. I'm going to go do this. So you, so I, you did I want to I wanted to, to move Korea. on to the next step. The the yeah, level I, want, I wanted... Because, I, you know, there, it was a really fun time hanging out with you because we met six months in, and there's that whole network of foreigners, and I thought, wow, this is really similar to college. And I really did enjoy college. So <laughs> why don't I head over to Seoul where it's supposed to be even more like a bigger college. And I know all of our... Our true teachers on here are really hating me right now because I'm the typical foreigner who comes and teaches ESL abroad that just really gives everybody a bad name. But that's what that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to either do that or go home to law school. Because I had deferred law school for a year before coming here. So that was my plan. And I communicated that to my school. And I remember I had a friend, Royale. And He told me, he's always been right about everything. He says it in a very direct way, so it's actually frightening when he tells you the truth about a topic. But he always has the best and most honest answers for everything. He told me, Steve, don't go back home. If you don't have a real plan, don't go back home. Because Mm -hmm. really, why do you go back home is because most people don't have a real plan there's a lot of peer pressure we were talking about this the other day there's a lot of peer pressure from your family your friends everyone says t- says i'm gonna mi- I man i miss you i can't wait for you to come home why are you there still when are you coming home when are you coming back to the real life so it's a combination of people telling you that you're not living your real life that you need to the only way to get onto to the next part of life is to be back in your home country and follow the traditional route and it's people saying that they can't live without you and my friend royale told me that he went back also after korea for a short while and all those people that said I miss you, I need you. We need to live life like we used to live life. I really miss you. They forget about you real quick after about a week. After about a week they they don't miss you. <laughs> they don't want to see you. They got their own lives. They got work, they got kids, they live an hour and a half away. So even though you flew back 20 hours, 14 hours to get back to them, you know they're they're too busy for you. They got they got a, <laughs> they got stuff going on. And, and he was right. In the end what happened was, uh, my school, at the last minute, asked me to resign because they didn't want to go through the process of hiring another foreigner, and they yeah, thought that—that's what, that, yeah, what I expected to hear. Was the resign <laughs> yeah instead of the- instead of going through the process, they just wanted to keep with me, and I said no. And now, actually, I remember something really funny. They wanted to see me. They forced me to buy my ticket home inside the school. Because I thought, well, that's really, why are they bothering me so much about my, buying my ticket? Because I'm a lazy man by nature. I'll buy it like the day of. They, I guess, were worried I was going to stay in Korea forever or stay in Korea for a while and teach illegally and I assumed that would have a negative effect on their public school. But now that I think about it, that was a really weird thing. They forced me to buy my airplane ticket in school because I didn't, sh- I was just being lazy about it. So I guess <laughs> that's just an interesting anecdote. I mean, I'll try not to be negative, but there are a few weird things that popped up. So I didn't end up going to Seoul because I wanted to do everything really casually and they weren't letting me doing, do things casually. And I guess that little bit of a barrier from my public school that's like, all right, you either have to get a contract somewhere or you need to buy your ticket back home in front of us was too stressful uh, and too much, of a pr- okay. too much pressure, and I didn't really okay. want to... Like, I, I couldn't choose where I wanted to work in Seoul. was too much, so I, went, I decided I'd go home. And Royale was right. After a week, everybody who wanted to see me didn't want to see me. My parents got tired of me after two weeks. I ended up renting a small <laughs> room in a three-bedroom apartment next to my old university and living pretty slovenly. Just being unhappy and... And law school actually, I missed law school by a little bit. So I I reapplied to where I think Wash U. Washington University in St. Louis and I was gonna go there the next year. But Yeah, I was just, I went home and everybody that said they missed me didn't miss me or got tired of me really quickly. And I started thinking about Korea more and I realized that Law school was the expectation for myself and would make sense in a way, but there's something about living abroad that I really enjoyed. And I think most people really enjoy living abroad. And since I didn't, I didn't really have any obligations to do anything else, I decided, you know what? I'm gonna live here in America for this one year. And after that, I think I'm gonna go back to Korea. And it wasn't, it wasn't that type of mindset, but I left it open. But yeah, so I, to sum it all up, my first year was pretty typical angsty, angry foreigner experiencing last minute changes and f- the frantic nature of relationships and work here. And when I look back on it, I really regret not embracing it more. Because if I just had an open mind and went with the flow and rolled with the punches, it would have been, a those relationships would have lasted forever and the experience would have been a lot better and there was really no reason to be negative about the experience now that we've been teaching here for a while. Everything about that school was great. Everything about that first year was great. They gave me a garden to grow my own vegetables. They invited me out to backyard barbecue parties in the courtyard of the school pretty regularly. They. They let me do my own thing in class uninterrupted without somebody constantly telling me that I'm doing it the wrong way. They gave me so much free time to make a book and to make my own resources and to work on my own websites. They didn't, they would have taught me Korean if I would have asked them. Now I'm doing that five, six, seven years later, learning Korean on my own. It's just all about how you view things, and it's hard to change your views. But to be happy, you need to yeah I mean it doesn't exist
1: anymore right there's it kind of sort of exists but they've cut it for the most part the public school program it's just one of those magical things that happens sometimes like this country like uh, modernized super quick government got in a scramble we gotta learn English they created this real cushy job gotta get Americans down here and it's just like this thing that happened and there was a wave of us that caught that that window of time, and uh,
0: yeah, it is it's gone. But yeah, I I don't know about you, but now that I think back about that first year, I'm shocked by my negative behavior, or not my behavior, but the way I perceived it. The way I perceived it at at that time was just. You try to be open minded, but there was just this idea of a deal. I was so overwhelmed with this idea of I said I'll do this, you said you'll do this, done. And after living in East Asia for a while, you realize that's a deal is a live, ongoing thing and you can't get hung up on it or else you're just going to be really not happy. If somebody says this is a dollar and they change it to a dollar ten cents the next day, no reason to be angry, man. You, If you're understanding in that moment, the next time you make a deal with that person, they'll be understanding in the next moment for you. There's, There's a reason that it's ten cents more. It's not just ten cents more because of blah, blah, blah. Is ten cents more because you know maybe the dude's having a hard time. Maybe the dude just wanted to make a deal with you really quickly, but he didn't realize that actually I can't make this deal because I'll lose money unless I charge ten cents more. And sometimes it's just little changes to a deal don't need to ruin your time. You've got to be more open to them. <laughs> it's
1: so funny too because my story's the opposite. We won't get into that, but I was super ideal. I d- idealized everything and I was really naive and I had really the opposite
0: kind of uh, thing went down yeah as my buddy Timbo would say I'm all about all about expectations so yeah but anyway I had but yeah that's a, I,
1: there are a lot of foreigners but yeah I'll just add a quick note here um to to break down Steve's experience uh for any other teachers out there, it's uh, you come here, and being a Westerner, you cling to that contract. That's the one thing you have. You know, laws are strong. This is the agreement, and and that's everything to us. But in Korea, the verbal the verbal contract trumps the written contract, and it's just that's where it can turn into a massacre. That sounds like kind of what happened to you, you know, you had, had (laughs) it was the only thing you had to go by, right? And they're like, well, what's he, what's he pointing to this contract for?
0: Well, I guess there's also just like a leap of faith, like here, everybody, it's a really trusting place, and I guess the best way to say it is, going from, whenever somebody lies to you a little bit, you assume that they're lying a lot of it, right? (laughs) And so if i can't trust this i can't trust anything that's not the case here mm. i can't trust if, if this thing it's not about trust it's not about lies it's not about deception really it's about like ah all right this, you know he he wants to change this thing you know he wants me to teach this he wants me to do that all right, all right next time i'm gonna ask him to do this for me then it's really a lot of tit for tat and it was just it was just a really scary experience i guess if i really think about it it must have been scary for me back then and But yeah, after about six months, I think culture shock, it might be what people combine all that stuff into. After about six months, I just really opened up and I really allowed it to be a great experience for myself. And um, yeah, definitely shouldn't have went home. But going home, I was able to start an agency for digital marketing, which allowed me to come back as an investor and open these academies and open this website up. So yeah, that was was really great. I guess I... um, I don't, I don't know if that was too much or too little or not enough anecdoty or... I think that was good. I think that was
1: good. It's like, you know, <laughs> just basically a chronicle of your first year. <laughs> year so I think it's like, like a good chapter of...
0: Yeah. There's some really weird times as well. We had a bunch of weird times but I'll save that for the, uh, the next one. How how about on the next time you tell us about your first year in Korea? Yeah, uh, yeah
1: right. Yeah. looking can... Uh, and so. Too. We'll be able to
0: we'll make a trilogy of it. You'll tell us your story next time, then we'll compare and contrast. All right, folks. Thanks for checking out the How and Steve English podcast again. Remember, head over to our website, com where you can get your hands on a lot of awesome ESL games for kids and adults and lessons and who dads and who whodunits and whatever. It's really great. First month trial for free, as always. And let's get in touch with... Uh
1: one of our listeners and do an interview yeah, yeah.
0: so fun. guys hit us up at steve at com, or if you just search Steve English on Instagram Twitter anywhere you'll be able to find us get in touch with us we'll love to have you on here on the podcast and yeah we'll set it up it won't be a big deal you just head over to your local internet cafe plug in log in it'll be good times alright catch you guys next time